Hey, it's Kanzano. I appreciate you making this podcast part of your day. Make sure you subscribe if you want more and leave us some feedback. Away we go. Initialize sequence. Welcome to The Baldcast, a production of John Kanzano's Baldface Truth. Back to The Baldface Truth with John Kanzano on 750 The Game. Oregon State playing well right now. Defensively playing well. I like their defense. Might be the best defense in the Pac-12 conference. Uh, they will be facing Colorado on Saturday at Reeser Stadium. Therefore, at Brian Howell of the Boulder Daily Camera. He's there to cover the game, and he's joining us now. Uh, what happened? Colorado found something last week, Brian. you got a winning football team there. <laughs> yeah, they uh, found some joy and fun and energy uh, somewhere in the building. Now, give me an idea. I noticed, like, uh, you're a good follow on Twitter, but did the coach, did the interim coach gather the team before the game on the field? What was going on? Yeah, you know, it was about two hours before kickoff. And, uh, you know, I'm up in the press box and always get there pretty early. But um, I see Sanford walking out of the tunnel and, the, you know, there's players behind him. And all of a sudden, it's everybody behind him. And he gathers the entire team. Uh, at the middle of the, in the middle of the field, and they get in a big circle, and um, it was all the players, all the coaches, everybody, and you talk to them for a couple minutes, and then uh, you know had them look up at the, the video board, and they they watch the hype video of kind of from practice the previous week, and just some highlights, things like that, and uh, some music, and uh, they're out there for about five six minutes or so, and then they walk back, and uh, it was just kind of one of those moments to get them geared up, I guess. I you know in all the years I've covered, I've never seen. Uh, a coach do that you got a coaching search going on while the end of the season is going on but i i couldn't help but notice fifty thousand colorado fans inside the stadium there at Folsom field uh, that is an incredible turnout for a team that did not have a win yet why are people showing up to see colorado well i, I should say a big part of it is it was family weekend and family weekend usually sells well um, they were tracking towards that type of attendance even you know, towards the start of the season. So that's part of it. However, I give the fans credit for they not only bought the tickets, but they showed up, used them. They wore white like, uh, you know, CU had encouraged them, let's have a white out. And uh, and they were into the game. I mean, they brought a ton of energy. And so um, I think that part of it is it was family weekend. But I think part of it is the fans were kind of excited about the change and that they kind of bought into um, all the reports of, uh, I mean, Stanford had, you know, almost two weeks of, of press conferences where he was spewing all that energy that you know fans bought into a little bit. Yeah, I think the the change of energy, interesting to go from Carl Durrell to Sanford. Uh, we're talking to Brian Howell of the Boulder Daily Camera. Is this an outlier? Is this just a team on a given day winning a game? Or did Colorado look like they, they found something on Saturday? You know, I, I think Saturday was the perfect storm for them to have that type of effort, you know, because – um, they could bottle all their energy. There was some an element of surprise. They did things that no team had ever seen before on film, so it was probably tough for Cal to scout them. Um, and then they had 50,000 fans behind them. Uh, they're not going to have those people at Reacher Stadium, obviously. Uh, they're going to have to find a way to bottle up their own energy and bring it on the road. But uh, there were some things schematically they did on defense that was very different. I mean, they 
completely revamp their defense in a matter of you know 10, 12 days. Uh, they created new positions for players. Uh, they uh, brought new energy on defense. That can travel, but obviously they've got to find a way to create their own energy in the locker room and bring that on the road. Yeah, going on the road in this conference is tough. I think you know you looked to last week. The home teams fared very well in the Pac-12. Uh, how are they approaching Oregon State? What do, what is the scuttlebutt right now as you ask Colorado players and coaches about Oregon State? Yeah, you know a lot of it is you know Colorado's focused on themselves and trying to keep that energy going. But um, Sanford's very complimentary of this Oregon State team. He um, he loves what they're doing and, and uh, thinks they've they've got a great football team that uh, you know is certainly going to be tough to beat. Um, he, they're also worried about the elements a little bit, and uh, they played in the rain earlier this year, and, and were, they were awful in the rain. And so they're trying to do some different things uh, to get prepared for that this week. But um, he, he was very complimentary of Oregon State and uh, kind of that toughness and the physicalness that uh, they play with. And um, so they know it's going to be a tough challenge for sure. Give me an idea of what's going on at the quarterback position. Played multiple players on Saturday. Who should Oregon State expect? Um, I don't know because, uh, you know, Owen McCown, the reason why he didn't finish the game is he got banged up. And that's why he didn't finish the game. And uh, he's still a little banged up. We got to see a little bit of practice today. Um, he was walking around a little gingerly and um, not taking a lot of the first-team reps. He was very limited in practice. And um, Stanford said today that's going to be a game-time decision. Um, if McCown's healthy, it'll be him. Um, if not, it's going to be J.T. Shrout. Um you know, Brendan Lewis entered the transfer portal today, so uh, they're down to, not down to, they've got other guys, but it's either one of those two guys. Brendan Lewis has started in the past, but um, it's going to be either a healthy McCown or J.T. Shroud. Now, when you look at those two guys, how are they different, and does that affect sort of what Colorado schematically does on offense uh, and, and affect the game plan? They're not as different as Shrout and Lewis were. Um, McCown and, and JT are both pocket passers. They got good arms, uh, so I don't. I don't think it changes much schematically. Shrout's got the better arm. Uh, McCown's probably got better athleticism, and Shrout obviously is an older player, and so he's uh, he's been around a little bit more. Um, but you know, McCown's the one that provided the spark to the offense uh, when he got the start a few weeks ago. Uh, but Shrout really did a great job coming off the bench the other day. Cal, the fans at Cal were really disappointed with the outcome. Wild finish, by the way, at the end there with an incredible catch and a review and then uh, what seemed to be a Cal catch that would have tied the game, but great defensive play to knock the ball away. And, of course, uh, cries after the game about Justin Wilcox and Cal because Cal fans thought they had that penciled in as a W. What do you make of Cal? You got a chance to see him up close. Yeah, you know, they've always been an interesting team to me in that um, they're just kind of that picture of mediocrity, and they have been for a long time. And I think they're one of those teams that they can win on any given Saturday and they can lose on any given Saturday. And I think that sounds cliche, but I, I don't think there's any team in the Pac-12 that embodies that more than Cal. I mean, I think they're so up and down. And um, I, I could see them rising up and beating a USC someday, uh, but losing to a Colorado, and that's just the way they are. I mean, they, they're still a, a solid defense. But offensively, you know, Jack Plummer was not very good on Saturday and uh, really struggled. And, you know, even with CU's quarterback issues, they had better quarterback play than Cal the other day, and I think that was one of the biggest differences in the game. Back to the bald-faced truth with John Canzano on 750 The Game. Well, you got Brian Howell of the Boulder Daily Camera. 
got interrupted there at the end of that. I, I just had a couple of more questions for you, Brian. Sorry about that, buddy. Uh, look, uh, no you're in the middle of a coaching search while in the middle of a college football season. Where is Colorado at sort of with this search for the next head coach? Yeah, uh, just learned today that uh, they hired a search firm uh, to help them with this, and I'm told that there has been a, a high level of interest in the job, and um, I guess you could define that. Uh, everybody could have their different definitions of that, but at least according to Colorado, there's high level of interest. So um, I think they're still taking their time. Uh, they've got time, obviously, and uh, you know I don't think we're going to see any announcement you know before uh, probably that last week of the regular season at the earliest, and. I, I would guess it's probably not until after the regular season's over. Yeah, somebody asked me about you know the media rights negotiations that the conference have and how that might affect the open jobs at Colorado and Arizona State. And I I just feel like you know those a- athletic directors probably have a sense of what their budget will be approximately. They probably have seen some dollar figures, so I'm not sold that it's going to matter. But I am kind of watching that to go look if they. If they start fishing in ponds that are larger than you would expect, it may be a signal that they're, you know, maybe they're pivoting to Amazon or Apple and there's a whole bunch more money out there for the athletic department. And I, I feel like Colorado's kind of, you know, it should be Washington. Like, resource-wise, is that a good approximation for what Colorado is in this conference? Yeah, I think so. And, and, and I'm not sure that the negotiations uh, impact it too much because I think is in a position where, they're either in the Pac-12 or the Big 12, and either way they're in a good position. Uh, not not like the Big 10 type of position, but I don't think their situation changes a whole lot based on what happens, you know what I mean? Yeah. The, yeah. You know, I, I think either way their their budget and resources are probably going to be about the same. Yeah, I, I think it's 100% that they'll be in the Pac-12, but that's just me, and I know there's, there's other noise out there. Brian, I appreciate you making time. I'm sorry about the interruption. And, uh, look, here's what you're going to walk into. I'm going to give you – let's just have an inside baseball talk. Brian messaged me today, and he said, hey, what's the press box situation at Research Stadium? And I think our listeners would love to hear this, too. You get into the stadium. you got 27,000 fans on, you know, this one side of the stadium that, you know, is, is sort of the newer side of the stadium. The older side of the stadium is getting completely redone. So it's a really weird half-stadium setup. It's unusually loud. The fans are right on top of, you know, Oregon State's team sideline, Brian. And so when Colorado walks in there, they're going to be on this empty side of the stadium kind of looking over at 27,000 fans that are all jammed in there, and it's essentially standing room only because of the shortage of tickets. So it's really strange. But the press box is on the Colorado, the visiting side of the field. And the press box is just a series of portable buildings that are sort of on the uh, 100 level of the concourse. So you have a great sight line as a media member. And here's a dirty little secret, and I did this at the USC-Oregon State game, and I encourage you to do this, Brian. If the weather's good enough, walk out of the press box, walk down onto the concrete steps in front of the press box, and sit where there will be seats one day. Not there now. But you essentially can sit there and watch the game like you're sitting in your living room. That's awesome. I should, I'll, I'll definitely do that. Take a picture when you're there, too. To it. I think it's, yeah. <laughs> it's going to be an interesting situation for sure. <laughs> yeah, very different. And, you know, if it's raining, forget it. Stay in the press box. But you got at least you got a portable building that you're sitting in. Oregon State does a nice job. Sean Scheffler at Oregon State, I think one of the better SIDs in the conference. And, uh, you know, I, I wish you the best. I think it's going to be a, a fun game. And 
Oregon State's tough to beat in that building, though. I, I, I wonder what Colorado's got, if they can seize the, keep that energy going that they had last week, or was it a one-off? I don't know. Do you have a sense? Yeah, I think they're going to keep a lot of it going. Uh, like I said, you can't bring the 50,000 fans on the road, but um, I do think that Sanford's got something going as far as the energy he's created and the, the fun atmosphere that he's created within that team. Like it. Brian Howell, Boulder Daily Camera. Thank you, Brian. Thanks. There he is. Good stuff. Didn't mean to hold him over for two segments, but he is kind enough to do that. We got Ben Bolch of the LA Times coming up at the top of the hour. We'll talk with Bolch about uh, what is happening with UCLA and Chip Kelly. Really interesting there. Uh, Steven, do you have a feel for this game? Do you have a feel for whether or not Colorado can go into Research Stadium and win? Because I, when I looked at the schedule, I penciled it in as a W for Oregon State. I'm, maybe it's not all the way in Sharpie, but it's in solid pencil as a W. Oregon State at home, very good. Yeah, I think I think you're right. I think it's in, for me it would be in a pen, almost a Sharpie, not quite Sharpie, but pen status. You know, you look at Oregon State, just the splits between home and a road. Uh, away from Research Stadium, they're allowing giving up 33, almost 34 points a game at home. It's just under 15. That's an 18 point difference with the defenses. You talk about how good that defense is. It really seems like. When they're at home at Reese's Stadium, they're just a lot more comfortable. They get after the quarterback. They make some plays in the secondary. And we saw them against USC. They really shut down that you know that offense. And then when they went to Utah, they were giving up big plays on the road. So I think the fact that it's in Reeser, I think Oregon State should handle Colorado pretty easily. Yeah, and I think the one thing that gives me pause about Oregon State in this game, like I agree with you, they they played USC punch for punch. I think the home field, I said it last week in the conference, the home teams were winning like 75% of the games, and they were covering 71% of the time as a home favorite. Uh, it was The numbers were ridiculous, and it, it, that held up, by the way, over the weekend. Colorado won at home. Utah won at home. Uh, Oregon State won at home. Uh, you, you started to look at the teams that were playing at home in the Pac-12. They're all winners. I think that home field advantage is worth somewhere between 7 and 10 points in the Pac-12. But here's, the, here's what gives me pause for Oregon State. I've been here before with this team. I've been here before with this program. I was here last year with this program. They were playing Cal in Colorado in successive weeks, and they were sitting on five wins. Here we are. They're going to play Colorado. They're going to play Washington. They're going to play Cal. They're sitting on five wins. They went to Berkeley last year, and they laid an egg, played their worst game, I thought, of the season. Then they turned around and went to Colorado, and got beat in overtime. And Colorado, until last week, hadn't won another conference game since beating Oregon State last season. So I've been here before with the Beavers. I want to see them follow through. I want to see them win a game we expect them to win. I want to see them play well in successive weeks. I don't think they played very well two weeks ago in beating Stanford, but I thought they played really well on Saturday night. A lot of identity in there, very tough defensively. I think they have the best defense in the conference right now. They're playing the best, but I need to see it. I need to see them do this against a Colorado team that is anemic on offense. Yeah, we need to see it, and this has been a season for Oregon State where they've taken steps, right? We talked about week one against Boise State, how big of a game that was. Can Oregon State get to 1-0? Jonathan Smith hadn't done that. He does that. Then in the next week, go to Fresno State. Can you get that big win on the road? They do that. They win by three points on the Coletto touchdown. So they've taken some steps this season. Now, I know it was disappointing losing to USC and Utah, but 
I, I think with them being at home, you know, I'm looking at uh, teamrankings.com. They have predictive uh, points above average on home and road. They're 14 points better above average at home than they are on the road. So you talk about the difference between you know home and road splits this season. The Pac-12. I think Oregon State just really is like the poster child for that. Is that at home they are a completely different team, and so I just don't think Colorado will be ready for that uh, going up to Reeser. Yeah, I, I want to see it. Uh, I believe you, and I but I want to see it. Meanwhile, you got the Ducks at Autzen Stadium. Dan Lanning, Chip Kelly, two week run up to this game. Feels like a Super Bowl. Chip Kelly says it's a Super Bowl. Well, this feels like a Super Bowl with the the week off before the week of the game, uh, both teams preparing. I'm a little concerned for Oregon in that Chip Kelly has had two weeks to prepare. I might rethink that after I see a quarter or a half of this game, but I'm a little nervous. I think Oregon has the home field. Uh, I think that Oregon has the most complete team on both sides of the ball, defensively, offensively. If we want to rate Oregon, you're going to rank them. I think offensively they have a top three offense, and I think defensively they have a top two or three defense in the conference. Nobody else is built that way. Washington is the greatest example. Great offense, no defense. Oregon State, great defense, struggle to score points on offense. Um, Cal uh, in the middle. Uh, Arizona, really good offense, terrible defense. Like There are some teams that are just half a team in this conference. Oregon's the most complete team. Oregon's got it on both sides of the ball, but... What will they do against Chip Kelly and UCLA with Chip Kelly having the extra week of prep? That is a big question. Cam and Eugene is called in and listening on Fox Sports Eugene. Cam, what's on your mind? Wasn't the point I called to make, but real quick, in my memory, I think teams have done what better against Chip Kelly when they've had more time to prepare. We always ran them ragged on the short weeks of preparation. They could never maintain their defensive assignments. I like the extra week for prep. I also liked your article this morning that I read about Chip Kelly coming back. I thought that was interesting. I was viewing it from the lens of Dan Lanning. And you're right. He's got there's gonna be one game before Chip goes off to the Big Ten. And if you're Dan Lanning, you know, you gotta prove yourself. Yeah. You're in Chip Kelly's office in the building Chip Kelly built and you get one shot now to prove that you're the coach of the future and not the coach Oregon could get. And if you don't win You've got a 300-pound visor on your back until you somehow meet them down the road at a Rose Bowl or whatever it is and get that visor off your back. And yeah. it's just I think this is a big measuring stick for Dan Lanning this weekend. Yeah, look, I thought week one against Georgia was a, was a big test for Lanning, and I don't think he passed it, okay? I think Georgia had better players, but I also think uh, at, now that I've seen Georgia play, Oregon didn't play well in week one, despite the fact that they probably lose the game even if they play their best game, but Oregon didn't play well. Uh, and, and then I thought there were some questions answered. Like, I think Oregon really played well in the home game against BYU. I think Oregon has made some statements about where they are as a team in the last you know couple of few weeks. And uh, if I'm Dan Lanning, I'm feeling pretty good about where they are. And Lanning will join us on Thursday's show, by the way. Um, he'll be right here in the uh, coming up in the 4 o'clock hour on Thursday. But... I, I, I'll go further with what the caller said. Like, he's saying he gets one shot. I don't, I'm not going to limit it to one shot because I think there's a possibility that we could be watching the conference championship game. Like, the, you know, we could see this matchup again in Vegas. So I think it's really interesting. Just like we saw Utah and Oregon play last year, this game has that, a little bit of that feel. I've seen everybody now in person. Okay, I've seen all these teams. I, I think Utah's good but not great. 
I think USC is a great example of a team that is phenomenally talented on offense, has some real defensive problems. Uh, I think those will be exploited. I think UCLA is better than USC. I think uh, UCLA is better than Utah. And I, I want to know who's better between Oregon and UCLA. Because I think UCLA has a really good shot to get back to Vegas even if they lose this game. Much the same way that Oregon last year went to Utah and got beat bad, then made it back to Vegas and got another shot, I think we're going to look at UCLA potentially being in that position this, this season. In fact, this week. That, of course, brings us to our big splash. It is the one thing that you need to know. The one thing you absolutely need to know today. Look, look, look at it. Where? Down there. The Big Splash. Well, Adam Silver, NBA commissioner, wrote an open letter to fans that he published uh, about 30 minutes ago. Basically, commissioner to fan, he said, look, the season begins tonight. He's excited about it. He's selling a whole bunch of things like the apps that he's got going and other things, but... Adam Silver, NBA commissioner, trying to connect with his fans. I think that's important. I think it's good. I wish more commissioners would do it. I don't necessarily see Adam Silver as, like, man of the people uh, because, you know, he still exists in that world that David Stern, you know, created once upon a time. But I think it's a good effort by the NBA commissioner to get out and try to connect with the fan base and connect with fans. Roger Goodell should do it. Rob Manfred should do it. George Klyovkov should do it. If you're a commissioner of a league, pay attention to this. All your fans really want is to feel like they're connected and engaged and, and feel like you know they've got your ear. Uh, NBA season in full swing. Blazers among the teams uh, trying to matter. And by the way, we talked payroll. We talked about NIL off the top of the show. Uh, Blazers payroll this season is 14th in the league. And it's re- really interesting to, to kind of look at the teams that are in front of them. Uh, most of them are playoff teams. Coming up, Ben Bolch of the L.A. Times. Terrific job as a beat reporter. Covers Chip Kelly and UCLA. What should Oregon expect on Saturday? Bolch tells us next. We interrupt this broadcast with a special announcement from the Bald Face Truth Radio. Sorry to interrupt the podcast, but if you want to listen to more of the Bald Face Truth Radio show, including more of this segment that you're listening to, make sure you subscribe on SoundCloud and iTunes to the Bald Face Truth Radio show. Thanks for listening.